Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. If you're visiting tonight, it's amazing to have you. The year has kicked off for some. It's first week at work. For some, they've been working right through. Uh, the privilege of going away camping, which with my three wildlings is very, lots of fun. Lots of fun. My four-year-old did a foofy slide. Yes, my wife wasn't there at the time. My nine-year-old jumped off a 12-meter rock cliff, which then he jumped, and I was like, ah. Oh. And Rion leaned over to me and said, there comes a time when your kids will do things you can't do. And I said, not today, but. And I walked up and jumped off, even though it was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. But a real excitement for the year and uh, many plans. And as we enter this fast, I want to, which we've seen series, we've just done a series on work it, as we've positioned work and the theology of work and what believers are called to and influence in the marketplace. And really excited. If you didn't get, there were some great teachings in the evening, also in the morning, some really great um, ministry as many of the marketplace elders and leaders spoke into that time. And next week, we'll kick off a new series, but we wanted to take this moment to position both the year, our lives, but also this fast. We realize it's become part of the rhythm of the life of the church, and um, many people can either engage or not engage. Many people can say, that's me, and I'm kind of in that kind of zone, or not. And we want, I want to do a pitch to say, actually, if you've never fasted, if you've never pushed into God in that way, I want to call you to more at this time. I want to inspire you. Maybe you've never done that. I want to encourage you that actually you won't die. Just to give clarity, we aren't calling everyone to a water fast. Some people are doing water fast. I'll do a water fast. A number of the leaders are doing a water fast, water for three days. And some of you are like, what? Trust me, we've done longer and you'll be fine if you drink lots and lots and lots and lots of water. But actually, we're calling the community to fast, which means for you, if that's a liquid fast and it's soup or it's um, a form of liquid, do that as well. The point is that it's sacrificial. The point is that it's appetite denying that calls us into a worship of God. It gives space in our lives to give attention to God. It's not about the self-denying of food. That's not what fasting is about. It's about making sure that we have our appetites under control, that we have a greater appetite for God. And right at the front of the year, we do that because God is calling us to amazing things. And we are super expectant. We have seen jobs come out of these times. We have seen breakthrough of barren wombs come to life out of these times. And we trust in God to do it more and more and more. Is that good? Who wants to see that? Who wants to see the impossible become? I want to see that. That's what my Christianity is about. It's not about doing time on Sundays. It's about seeing the King of Kings break into our lives, into this city, and bring freedom and love and joy. And I'm really, really expectant for that as we trust Him for breakthrough. And, um, but here's the thing. We live in a world of options. You can watch a whole bunch of TV channels, and then you can get Netflix and all these other things if you've got fiber. What's that fancy thing? Fiber. That's where the line is. They've got fiber now. Fiber, darling, fiber. And um, so you've got options for days there. You've got options. You go on the internet, you're like searching for something, and next minute you're reading about new sports, uh, sport news, and then you're reading something else, and, you're, and it's like if you don't get your life focused and attention in a space, you're all of a sudden distracted by a million things. I am terrible at it. I was, mm, I was literally talking to someone the other day with my wife. I just stopped started speaking about something completely different, and Candace looks at me like, my, wife's lo- my husband's lost it. 
And I started, and then I came back to the conversation. I realized, hey, it's a bit early for that. Not going to start that just yet. Just easily, easily distracted. But I want to tell us about a king. I love this psalm. King David, he wrote this. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift my hands. This is very, very challenging to me because I've had times like this in my life where I've longed for God and literally there's a crying out. I can't wait to wake up in the morning and spend time in his presence or stay up late at night, time in his presence. But what is the one thing you're going to hear from almost everyone? You're going to get back to work tomorrow, you got back this week, or you're having a conversation with family. It's busy. Life's busy. Some of you got back, and it's, there's, a, there's a month in, end of February, you've got to drive the targets, you've got to drive the projects, you've got to get the team on board, you've got to make sure you're, you're on target for your job, you've got to hustle. Life's about hustle. Economic pressures, we've got to hustle. Life's busy. I know. Then, then you throw in kids if you're a parent in this place. All the parents say, ah. No, no you've got to be more believable. Like, ah. You know what I'm talking about. It's the 37 books that came in your kid's bag that need to be wrapped, and that's only half of them. And then there's more that arrive, and then there's school runs, and it's organizing, and it's getting this thing, and the kid comes, my new grade one comes home, and he says, Dad, I want to be a tennis player. That's Wednesday, Thursday, Dad, I want to be a hockey player. The next day, Dad, I want to be a cricketer because there's different pitches each day for kids. And there are all these options. And again, all I'm seeing is Saturday events, Friday night, training, all these things. It's busy. Then obviously, this year is the year of the athlete. If you didn't know, now you know you have no excuse. Hashtag year of the athlete. This is the year. Whatever else you've heard before, this is there, which means actually, like myself, if you were in a hammock with Rion and he was swinging, so you thought it a good idea to put your hang up, hang up, hammock up, and the tree that you hung your hammock on decided to <laughs> fall into the river, great incentive to start Year of the Athlete, which means getting up a bit earlier, walking, running, going for paddles, getting order in your eating, which means working a little harder, which means committing to getting to bed earlier. All these New Year's resolutions, read more, do more, study this, read this, and all the books you forgot to read in the last three years, you're going to read them by the end of January. I don't know if that's you, but that's me. I like put all these things in my world, and life gets busy. So I read David's psalm, and I go, that's very challenging to me. Why is it challenging? It's challenging because he was a king of a nation who had an enemy attacking him and he was fleeing through a desert. His life was pretty busy. And yet he doesn't cry out for solutions. He doesn't even cry out for water in a dry and parched land. He cries out, oh my God, I want more of you. My soul longs and thirsts for you. And yet I see something of a man who's recognized as a man over God, after God's own heart, one of the greatest kings and foreshadows of Jesus, has this attitude that in the middle of crisis and busyness and chaos, he places Jesus, the king of kings and the father, first. It's challenging to me. I realize sometimes it's, it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. And some of you are thinking like these flippin' pastors. Who puts a fast at the beginning of a year? 
I mean, don't they know I've got to work? Don't they know he's been out of the marketplace far too long? How inconsiderate of the past is to put a fast right at the beginning of the year. And let me tell you why we do it. Because of this thing. Because a king who was leading a nation who had an enemy chasing him put God front and center in his life. And his greatest desire was him. And we want to put in this time that actually God is calling us to seek him. And that scripture there, we're going to focus on tonight, Matthew 6. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Seek first. It's a challenge. Now, first, the seeking is not a passive reality. I don't know, you know, just a hint, guys. I'm just, this is for our single guys. Use it, don't use it. But if this is your posture, I'm seeking a wife. I'm here. Don't they know I'm here? I'm seeking her. No, you're not. You're standing against a wall hiding. Seeking looks different. Seeking looks like you're out there. You're out there. I'm seeking. I'm not going to mention any names. We're just going to move right forward. But, but seeking is not sitting back and relax and hoping it happens, hoping God reveals himself to me. No, seeking is I seek you, God. Oh, if you've lost something, you realize seeking is an active thing. This wedding ring was special to me, not because of its value. It's just white gold that's been polished up, not very fancy. And, um, but it was given to me by my wife. And I was in the surf one day with a mate, and we were surfing, and I, for some reason, used to play with it, and I took it off, and I dropped it in the surf. But it was a relatively clear day, so I thought I'd find it. I started diving. My mate Brenton was there with me, and he started diving, and we dove for like two, three minutes, and then he said, hey, but the waves are good, and he paddled off. So I kept diving for like 20, 25 minutes. I was exhausted. I was exasperated. All the air was out of my lungs. I'd half drowned myself, so disappointed. And he comes paddling over to me, and I thought, yeah, he's coming to encourage me, to kind of spur me on. And he just said, are you looking for this ring, but? He literally caught it on its way down, put it on his finger, and paddled off and let me seek it <laughs> for 25 minutes. I was bitterly angry, but did see the funny side. I probably would have done it myself. But... Seeking is not a passive thing. It's not something like, oh, I hope I land into God's presence. But if I don't, there's always next year. It's not passive. And he's calling us into this seeking journey. And it's this treasure that we are going after, that we are longing for. I love the scripture, Colossians. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Seek them. Not, well, maybe I'll bump into, no, seek them. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. It's a challenge. It says set your minds. And to set your mind, you actually have to reset your mind and reset your thinking. Even opening up the gates to allow the king of glory to come in is a resetting of our hard wiring sometimes. And our minds and our thinking get gridlocked. Don't know the, the, the picture of that, what's that thing in France where they all go round and round and oaks get stuck in there for hours? What's that? Arc de Triomphe. Is that what it's called? No, that's the big one. Eh? Help me out, someone who's... What's the, it is, what, that, that's it. Eh? Thank you. And, um, but they get stuck in there. And then the problem is one car breaks down. Next minute you've got like 
400 cars just stuck, gridlocked. Our thinking gets like that sometimes. And in this book, he's calling us, the apostle's calling us, says, actually, think on things above, set your mind on things above. Set your mind. Young people at the start of the year with a million options, set your mind on things above. Maybe you're in the middle of life and life's big and there's a whole bunch of pressures. No, actually, don't get absorbed and overwhelmed by the things of the earth. Set your mind on things above and you'll find life. You'll find Jesus. Where is your mind right now? Maybe on your phone and you think, you, everyone else thinks you're taking notes from the preach, but actually you're planning for your meeting tomorrow. You're planning your route for sales. You're planning what you're going to teach the kids because you haven't had a chance to prepare and you're a teacher. That's okay. Maybe you're concerned that school fees that you weren't able to finish in December last year are going to catch you in January and that's just going to steamroll. Maybe you're concerned with day zero, which is real in our city, but it's overwhelming you and you can't go to sleep at night because you don't know what's going to happen. I love David's journey of seeking. He takes us and shares his journey with us. He says in Psalm 9, Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Let me just say that again. Have never forsaken those who seek you. Never. Not, not yet. Never. In Psalm 10, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Is there room for God? In your world, is there room for God in your thoughts? Is there room for God in your emotions? Because actually, I would present that if there's not, and I know because I do it at times, my world gets full, and it's actually pride. It's actually arrogance. I've got this, God. I've got this. Actually, you blessed me so much in the marketplace this year. You take a year off because I've got this one. My boss thinks I'm the, the bee's knees. It's all good. I've got this. No, that's pride. And then Psalm 34 and the others, there's these benefits of seeking. It says, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. No good thing. And now I, I think there is a place for seeking jobs and opportunities, seeking success, seeking a spouse. I 100% do, but I would present to you as we speak to the scripture, seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things. Say all. all. It means all. All these things will be added to you. And I want to read this, the Sermon of the Mountain, right up front. It's, it's these chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus presents this new life as we enter into his kingdom, and he's speaking to his disciples, and he's sharing this big story that gets inside of man, and he calls us, and he does a little bit on fasting. I want to read that part. Because maybe you've never fasted, you think, well, how does this look? And um, verse 16, he says, when you fast, let me just take those three words. Not if you fast, not if you're a person who likes to fast, not when you feel like fasting, not when you run out of money for food, so you fast. <laughs> no, when you fast. As a disciple, we are called to have these spiritual disciplines in our life. It's not a 2,000-year-ago thing. It's a disciple thing. It says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. 
Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, some of you that's normal, wash your face, some of you that's not, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I love the way the message puts it. He, Eugene Peterson writes, when you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God. That's what fasting is. It says, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He'll reward you as well. A couple of pointers. It's actually not about the sacrifice. It's about the one we get to fix our gaze and our attention on at this time when we fast. Let me tell you, it is otherworldly. It, it won't be understood, and it is weird to many. And actually, to be a disciple is to do otherworldly, weird to many things and be misunderstood. Yep, that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus sometimes. That's what it means and what it looks like. So find strategies for it. Don't sit there in the meeting that you organize lunch and go, I'm not eating lunch because I am appetite denying myself <laughs> to be more like Jesus. You just look like a Charlie and you sound like one too. Just go, I'm actually not eating today. Thanks, guys. And if someone pushes and pushes, share your journey. Is that all right? It's like invest in your relationship in this time with God. Don't take three days out and it's all about the food. So you sit at the fridge just staring at it. I won't. I am so strong-willed. That's not what this is about. It's about an appetite for him. Give in to that appetite. Invest your time. Even here, it's like maybe in this two, three days, maybe you can cancel one or two evening things that you've got planned so that you could be in, come and pray with the community of believers or just spend time in the Word alone with the TV off for a time to give an appetite for God, an opportunity to grow. To parents who are here, how do you do this? I would encourage you, take your kids on the journey with you, which means don't starve them for three days. I mean, it will save the budget a lot, but it's not about that. Tell them what you're doing. Tell them what you're trusting for as a family. Say, actually, we're trusting for these breakthroughs, for other people, for our family. We're trusting for these things of God who is a miracle worker. And won't you play a part? Why don't we give up TV for three days? Why don't we give up these privileges or sweets or whatever it is? Take them on a gospel journey. Don't leave them out of it. They don't have their own little God on Sunday school. Allow them to journey with you. Is that all right? But what are we fasting for? And this is it. Seek first the kingdom of God. He says this, and I want to jump to it. For the, and why do you worry about clothes? Verse 28. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If, this, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I have some water there, please, babe? Thank you. So my first point is this. 
Do not worry. <laughs> it says it twice. It's actually not a suggestion. It's a command. As a believer, it says, actually the pagans, the non-believers, those who don't have faith in Christ and his love pouring out over their lives, they actually worry and they have to work hard to make sure that they don't slip into that place. But actually, that's not your story. You've been pulled out of that life into a life where there is a father who provides and there is an instruction to you, do not worry. I've got three kids, guys. One day they're going to need varsity. I can start getting all anxious. I had about a 15-second anxious moment going, someone told me how much their kids' university costs. I was like, oh, wow. Didn't realize that. What do I do with that as a father who has limited means and resources? So now I give all my energy to Nori. No, the Bible says not one person has ever added a day to their life because of worry. I've never sat at the deathbed of a person who said to me, you know what? I just wished I had worried more. I'm like, seriously, if I'd worried, it would have been fine. And yet we do. And actually, worry is often the root of that, is not trusting God. I've got to learn to trust Him. He's either God or He's not. He's either a good, good Father or He's not. It's either real and alive deep in my gut and my soul or it's not. And he says, come in closer. I want to reveal myself to you. Do not worry. Is that all right? I know people struggle with anxiety and it's a real thing in our world, but God is calling us in the Sermon of Amount and he's calling us into a new way of living that is fueled by love, fueled by trust, fueled by the gracious, great hand of the Father over our lives, not fueled by worry. See, it can look the same in outcome. Is it important to work? Yes. Is it important to succeed? Yes. Is it important to work hard? Yes. For his glory, not for my worries to be satisfied. Second point, simple tonight. First one, do not worry, be happy. No, just do not worry. Second point, seek first. First. See, I've realized as I've had children and I see a lot of myself in them, there are a whole bunch of concepts in the Bible that I've wrestled with and I can see it in them. Judah, you can swim, but first go tidy your room. Oh, but dad, and he starts negotiating because why? Because I said first go tidy your room. He's got no problem with tidying his room. He's just got a problem with the order of things. He says, actually, you can, you can have that sweet that's in the fridge, but actually first just help us take out the rubbish. But ah. Uh, now, the Bible says, actually, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you as well. Here's the gospel. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things. Yeah. Or seek all these things, and work really hard to pull them off. Yeah. Or seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things. And it's got to grip us and it's got to get into us and we understand the kingdom of God is his new life. It's the authority and the order of God as Lord of our lives breaking into our story and us saying, I seek that. I'm not pushing against it. I'm seeking the order of God. I'm seeking the life of God. I'm actively pursuing that life in my life. And he pulls us into a story and he says, actually, there is an issue here. The issue is first, before anything else. I don't know about you, but there's a whole list, and I'm, I like my to-do lists on my phone and notes and all these things. But if God is not first in that story with my emotions, my time, my energy, everything else gets put second. Everything else takes priority. 
and I wonder why there's no sustaining life in it for me as a believer. Why? Because I've kicked into the wrong system and I've got to reset my mind on Him, on heavenly things. First is a concept we struggle with, and in a busy year, in a busy life, this is a challenge. It says, actually, I want to pull you into the story, but first, it says, seek His kingdom, and not just seek it, extend it. I'm going into the job, and actually, my job is tough, but I'm going to extend the kingdom of God there like Daniel did for 67 years. See, we love preaching about those guys. We forget the time that they did it as essentially slaves in a foreign land. We love that. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. Not let God sort your circumstances out and then seek Him. No, seek first and watch what He adds. And then also to that, seek His righteousness. Now, His righteousness, obviously the big concept of His imputed righteousness to us, where I do nothing for that, I'm given the righteousness of Christ, yes, but I don't think that's what He's talking about here, and neither do many commentators. He's saying there is a pursuing of a holy life pursuing of a holy character and a Jesus character. says, seek first these things. Bring order in your life. Don't give all your energy to the job and hope your marriage sorts itself out. Don't give all your energy to driving targets and meeting some of those deadlines when actually there's chaos in your inner soul. Start there and watch the life flow. I love this thing that Spurgeon says. It says, your body will soon become food for worms. It's a great title for a preach. Your body will soon become food for worms, but your soul will outlast the stars. Come on! This body will disappear. I'm hoping it's disappearing a little bit at the moment, actually. <laughs> I'd take a little bit of that. But, but my soul, the thing that I put on the back burner, the thing that I put third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, a hundredth, will outlast the stars. Live with an eternal perspective. Why? Because all these things will be added. Young men and women with dreams, passions, desires, seek first the kingdom of God. And watch how good he is. I'm just amazed as I look and see God orchestrating relationships and, 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 and there's these encounters and, and God is saying, actually, guys are crying out. I've sat with guys. Where would I find a wife? And all of a sudden, kaboom, yeah. God provides. Out of the blue. And the other way around, I'm going, God, you keep doing it. Why? Because all these things is in your heart before it was ever in mine. Yeah. And I love the Psalm of David. I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Never. He's seen a lot. See, my job as a believer is to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And I don't live under a labor law or a target. I live under a promise that all these things will be added. I bring that to you because as we enter something like a fast and a bit 2018, there's a bunch of desires, dreams, passions, and energies. And if you're like me, you want to spread yourself a million ways. And yet the Bible says, don't do that. Give your attention to the king first. Doesn't mean don't work hard. Doesn't mean don't put in the extra hours. It doesn't mean any of things. Just say, seek first the kingdom of God. Put him primary in your life and watch what he does because he's either a good, good father or it's all a myth and a Sunday habit. And I would present to you that as you are designed to be a seeker, every person on this earth is a seeker. And we never stop being it. 
We spend our life seeking to find the king of kings until we find him. And we go through all sorts of journeys. And people go through, they go through this, they go there, drugs, um, addiction. They go through, through pursuit of money, pursuit of happiness in relationships. A million seeking journeys until hopefully they find Christ. And when we find Christ, we submit ourselves to his glory and his life. He says, I want you to remain on a seeking journey because I am a God seeking worshipers and worship of truth. I am the God who came to seek and save the lost. I am the God who never stops seeking my kids to come home. And I made you in my image. And I've called you to seek first my kingdom. And trust me. Trust me. So maybe fasting sounds like a big deal to you, and I'm really not trying to fill up a prayer meeting. I'm trying to call you to something that could maybe change everything. And understand this. Don't make every prayer you pray in this time of fasting about you. Try. Ask God to reveal to you who to pray for. You know people who need work. You know people who are asking for breakthroughs. You know family members who need His grace. Pray for them and watch the miracles happen. Augustine says this, St. Augustine, to fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek Him is the greatest adventure. To find Him is the greatest human achievement. I want to go on the adventure of seeking God. I want to invite you to that. And it looks like a fast. It just looks like a morning, every morning, waking up and going, wow, God. More than a Sunday, more than a meeting. Can I pray for us? Is that all right, Gabs? Spirit of God, you are here. Please don't let the emotions and the passion of a preacher move people. But I pray the truth of your word and the promise of your word that calls us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And on the other side of that seeking journey and adventure is there all these things that are added. I pray, give us courage to believe your word. Let faith stir up at this time to take a step of boldness for some the first time of doing something out of this world like fasting. And God, because of who you are, we live with expectation and anticipation of the testimonies that will follow because of your promise and your greatness and the fact that you call us to call on your name first. So we place you first as your word calls and we say be exalted, mighty king. Have all the glory, all the honor, all the praise.